You're listening to the Auxiliary Gate Podcast, Kentucky's weekly horse racing discussion. And now, here are your hosts, Alan Schneider. Uh, for Antonio Sano, the man behind uh, Canavara, doesn't he train simplification too, Antonio yes, Sano? Yes, he's, he's the trainer that was kidnapped twice in Venezuela, yes. right? Brandon Jaggers. Yes, it only happened to me once, so I can only imagine what it was like uh, doing that twice. And me, CC brought us. Get stamping. The Auxiliary Gate, big problem. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Auxiliary Gate Podcast number 138. We're recording this on Tuesday, March the 21st, and I'm joined by Alan Schneider. Alan, how are you doing? I'm great, my man. I'm awesome. How about you? Uh, we've got a big weekend. we got a big show coming up. Mm-hmm. And of course, let's not forget Brandon Jaggers, who should be with us any moment. Any moment. Any moment. So we'll- We'll uh, we'll roll out the red carpet for him, but uh, let's get right to it. We got a long show ahead of us here. Let's talk about uh, a big day of racing on Saturday. Uh, Twenty eight races total between <laughs> two the fairgrounds and turf. Two tracks, yeah. Between two tracks, fairgrounds and turf fight. And uh, this, uh, yeah, this is going to be a speaking of long podcast. It's going to be a long day Saturday. Yeah. You know, um, well, a couple things real quick. One. I know everybody gets excited about different prep races and stuff, whatever, and different cards. But you're, and it's always the more high profile ones when the Arkansas Derby, the Santa Anita Derby, even Keeneland, who we love. I'm gonna tell you right now, year in year out, this this weekend with the with with the Louisiana Derby and the card that they annually put together at Fairgrounds and what Turfway's put together, it you're not gonna find you will not find a better outside of maybe Keeneland pre. Uh, derby slash prep race cards. These are fantastic cards. They're full fields. They're tough races, which is what it's supposed to be about. And there's, and there should be some pretty good action to it. Some of the horses legitimately got chances to, to not only get into the derby, but to factor highly in the derby as these, as these two races are what uh, gave us the exact in the derby last year, correct? They gave us, um, Turfway gave us the derby winner in Rich Strike and the runner up came from the fairgrounds in Louisiana Derby Nets Epicenter. So. Uh, I mean, I don't know what else you would want. Uh, Turfway's got Irad Ortiz there all day. They got Johnny Velasquez. They got Kent DeSormo. And of course, we know what Louisiana has. So I think you're, you'd be hard-pressed to find a better day of racing. I am biased. By the way, I am biased. Fairgrounds has 15 because they had to cancel right. one day last week. And so I believe they're running three races extra on Saturday, three races extra on Sunday. But it's highlighted by the Million Dollar Louisiana Derby, which uh, it's uh, it's a fascinating race. Uh, it, it's led by Instant Coffee from the Brad Cox Barn, ridden by Luis Saez. Horse hasn't been seen since January when he won the LeCompte. I assume he, we're going to see more of the same. This horse is going to just anchor at the back and, and come running late. But uh, there's a lot of good horses in here, a lot of potential in here. Yeah. With the likes of horses like Shopper's Revenge. Sun Thunder, Kings Barnes, a horse. I've got a a ten dollar Derby future wager on at thirty five to one. Sweet. 
Cagliostro or Cagliostro, I think is how they call it. Tappet Conquest, Dennington, Jason's Road. I mean, baseline beater, baseline beater for Neil Pesson. I mean, there's Neil Pesson. Yeah, he's he's got baseline beater. Should be a uh, gosh, should be a fun race. Uh, any any uh, anything you like in there? It's early, and I'm not going to pretend to be a fairgrounds expert. You know, I've, I've watched some of the bigger days and a couple of the other days, but uh, you know, I, you know how I am. I'm lo- I'm usually looking for prices and stuff, and there are a couple that catch my eye. The rail horse has a chance to uh, maybe set the pace in a, in a, in a race that is kind of lacking in pace, honestly, a legitimate pace, which has been the theme throughout a lot of these derby preps this year. But, you know, and, and I like the Pesson horse a little bit, too, as a really big bomb and maybe even Curly Jack. But at the end of the day, I, I kept I hate to do it. I kept coming back to instant coffee. I think he's kind of underlooked. I think he's kind of overlooked a little bit. Um, he, he was impressive last year. He's impressive off the bench this year. Um, I, I have a feeling he'll, I mean, you know, you don't want to, you know, I hate to play favorites in a race like that, but I bet you get a solid price on that favorite. I'm not saying he's my selection, but I do think he's undervalued a little bit, o- overlooked somewhat. What about you? Now, I'm very interested in Chopper's Revenge. I, I can understand that. The only problem is he's a bad, he's bad out of the gate. He's nothing special coming out of the gate. I, last time, that's what got him beat at Oakland. He broke about uh, half a step slow. And instead of being on the lead where he probably would have won the race, he had to come from off. And that, that led to his undoing, but he, he, I think he was beaten by a horse that had a really nice trip. So Chopper's revenge for me as, as of Tuesday, but that's, there's a long way to, yeah, go. way to go. And Sun Thunder is a legit race horse too, as is Dennington. And I mean, it, it's a, it's a solid, evenly matched field to, uh, top to bottom. So I almost hate saying I like instant coffee, but I, I just think that. Of course, pace is. I think pace will play a, a bit of a role in this, but uh, it's a mile three sixteenths. Remember, long stretch. Uh, we'll see. Uh, you, you got to think some guys are going to send, but uh, I think it's going to be a fun one to watch. Twelve horses in the Louisiana Derby. The race before only features five, but it's a very interesting spot as well. It's Fairgrounds Oaks, and we're going to see a rematch between Pretty Mischievous for Godolphin and the Brendan Walsh Barn, the Alice Look. From Brad Cox Barn and Hoosier Philly for Tom Amos, who was the horse of the world yeah. less than a month ago. And uh, some of the lusters rubbed off the coin. But uh, Hoosier Philly is the one I, I, I'm, I'm very interested in because, I mean, she could not have gotten more. She could not. My cat's bugging me over here. I'm sorry. But she, she could not have been gotten more uh, uh, talk over the winter. Right. So, you know, we're, we're going to find out what, uh, what she's made of. I think if we're going to, if she's going to be a Kentucky Oaks threat, we're going to see it on I have Saturday. a question. I have a question for you about that. That's a five horse field, right? Um, yes. and pretty mischievous won the, won the last race by a half length, length off the top of my head. And who's your Philly, you know, may have had an excuse first, but it was a well beaten third bite length. So I'm, I'm laying out there too. Now, pretty, pretty mischievous won the race. Hoosier Philly was somewhat of a no excuse third by eight lengths. So will Hoosier Philly be underlaid? I'm not saying Hoosier Philly may blow him off the track, but I bet is Hoosier Philly still going to be favored? And when you think about it, if she is, is she not an overlay? Because I think the race is a pass because of what I'm coming up with off the top of my head. If she was beaten by eight lengths, but she's still likely to be favored. Is that, am I wrong about that? Or is that an insult to pretty mischievous or the Alice look who's no slouch herself? But when you start thinking about it that way, will she be will she be favored? And if she is favored, is it on hype and last year's performance as opposed to being being beaten eight lengths? Do you, do you see my point there? 
Absolutely. What price do you take on her? Uh, to take if you, if you wanted to bet to win in a five horse field, it's not something I'm keen on doing. I mean, I would think two to one is fair. Do what do I think she's going to be? I think she's going to be even money because I still think the hype and the name is going to is going to carry something. So if if you're a big pretty mischievous fan, and you know you're a, a big time win better or whatever, I mean you, you I, I would say nine to five, two to one, five to two is distinctly likely on the horse that just just beat Hoosier Philly Sally. To me, it's a pass race, but I'm I am somewhat fascinated by how people will view the wagering. Earlier on the card, a lot of name power. The New Orleans Classic, uh, it's going to feature Art Collector, who just won the Pegasus World Cup. Based on what he's faced in his career, this is probably a step down in class, I would think. I mean, can he repeat the last race, though? I mean, the horse has a chance to sometimes not run as well as he as he does every time. So going to a new track he hasn't been to before, and if he bounces, you know, those, those homegrown Cajun boys might go off at overlay prices. So we'll see. And then immediately following is the, the Mervyn Muniz Classic. Uh, shout out to our friend Michelle Lovell and, of course, uh, Jerry Romans, mm-hmm. who owns English Tavern. And we're looking forward to, to seeing him run. Uh, this race always uh, blows my mind. I always Jason go, Barkley's got Spooky Hollow in there, too, right? Spooky Channel. Yeah, Spooky, Spooky Channel. Channel Spooky race. Hollow. Yeah. yeah, previous podcast guest. Also, Brendan Walsh has Rising Empire, another previous podcast guest so Neil Pesson's got the always tough two Emmys it's a, just a wonderful racehorse Arctic the million winner I think it's a it's a great card you can't you, you yeah I'm sorry you can't pretend that it's not and then of course uh Turfway amen brother wow good night features th- this is going to be a Donnybrook 13 races uh just I'm sure there's going to be lots of uh places to jump in pick threes pick fours doubles whatever whatever you desire you're going to have an opportunity to cash in because it looks like full fields every single. We're not talking about eight, nine horse fields. We're talking about 12 horse fields with overflow, also eligibles included as well. Well, one thing before you get started on this, uh, the thing to keep in mind with this, as any, as anyone who ever listens to me knows how much I love turfway racing. I think it's the, absolutely the best track to wager at. A little different scenario here, though, right? We You see full fields there a lot, but it's full fields of the horse population uh, that runs there every week for the most part, right? So you know exactly where every – if you follow it, you know where every horse fits. And uh, did they not get the trip they won in the last race or they get burnt in a speed duel, yada, yada, yada. So, you know, this is a different scenario. Uh, you're going to have uh, these horses coming from everywhere, right, to, to run here. And some running on synthetic for the first time. A lot of the horses on an ordinary basis are accustomed to synthetics. They've been running there all year, all winter. So uh, it's going to be – it's it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough, but it's going to be a lot of fun too. But you only got to be right a couple of times because I do believe you're going to see some, you're going to see some nice performance. You can see some nice prices, and don't be bitching when you know. I tell people it's like it's not random when it happens. It's just it's full fields and they're good horses. So you know the twenty to ones will come in. Twelve horse field in the seven hundred thousand dollar Jeff Ruby Stakes. Led Jeff Ruby Stakes are fantastic, by the way. That's another story. Go yeah, ahead. Very expensive too. That's my yeah. own. Mowing right, they're very expensive, but you've got horses like Scooby Quando, fantastic again, congruent. I know there's going to be a lot of support for two fields who's shipping up from Louisiana, Larry Revelia. A, a lot of people uh, made note of his uh, kind of a bad trip. Was it, yeah, was it the Risen Star? Uh, yes, yes. Yeah, he, he ran the Risen Star, so he's, he's coming up 
coming up uh, north to, to face uh, or to run on the poly track. And, of course, Wadsworth from the Cox Barn, who's been very impressive locally. Major dude. Major dude. Yes, Wadsworth looks amazing. Yeah, Major dude. I forgot. I just glossed over him. Major dude, a winner on, on grass. Congruent. Let's see if that, uh, that, that uh, form translates to poly track. So when you sit when you sit there and think that this is a lesser field because it's on tappet or whatever and you don't play turf right off and that's on you, this is a really solid field. Fantastic again is no joke. Uh, congruent blew him off the, the doors off of him last time. Two fills is a major derby contender. I think he's gonna he's gonna have a major say in this. Um, I like Fantastic in here for Wesley Ward. I mean I've I've, I've liked this horse. I didn't like this horse early last year. And then he he turned proved me wrong. I loved his last race. He's kind of skipped a, skipped a prep waiting for this. And I do like, I do like Fantastic again. However, there's, I mean, two fields is no slouch. Uh, Congruent just blew the doors off him. I think it's going to be a fun race. Do you have an opinion this early in the week? Not a chance. I haven't even looked at it yet. I'm, I'm just glancing at the card right now. Scooby Quando. Scooby Quando's a good horse. Scooby Quando had a terrible trip. Yeah. In the, uh, the prep, the Battaglia. I think you've got to give him a shot. Uh, yeah, two fields, like I said, we, we talked about it. Wadsworth loves the track. Oh man. Yeah, a lot, a lot of different ways to go here. It is a, it's a great race. Uh, prior to that, I'm looking at, uh, Mike Maker has six entered in the Kentucky Cup Classic. Uh, one on the also eligible list. So five in the main body. That should be a, gosh, that's a, that's another slobber knocker, as they say. Uh, prior to that, you know, the Latonia drew 11. Midnight Rising from Jordan Blair. He went on to enter this horse in the rush away. And he draws number post number nine of twelve, and I would think he would take some beating in there. Uh, just a great card all around. Just how about a, how about Botanical uh, in the Bourbon and Oaks, who's looked just absolutely fantastic? Uh, could use uh, the Bourbon and Oaks to a springboard of the Kentucky Oaks. Uh, right, for, this is a points race for the Oaks, so you you maybe win or finish second, you're probably going to get a get an invitation into the Oaks. Yeah, these 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 Brad Cox horses that run at Turfway, the good ones, when they get out of the gate, I mean, they just look powerful, composed, uh, in command the whole way. Botanical's a good example of that. And uh, yeah, this horse, at, just like Wadsworth, he, this horse loves the track. And I'm expecting a big effort from Botanical, not only here, but per- perhaps on the first Friday in May as well, too. Now, let's bring on the third wheel of our right. podcast team. I'm sure that all the ladies will be uh, be happy to to hear his voice once again. Let's bring on Brandon Jaggers. Brandon, how you doing? <laughs> I was a little worried that y'all weren't going to turn the mic on for me in the in the pod tonight. I was like, God, I can't, I can't get in here. But uh, we had to play it guys, safe. I'm excited. It's the first day of spring. That's right. Yeah, Brandon, uh, you're just in time. Uh, really? Let's move on to the uh, the star of the show. And we're going to get to, uh, we're very excited for, for our guest tonight, and we're going to get to him right after this message. It's now time for another Kentucky horse racing memory, brought to you by the Auxiliary Gate Podcast. 1991 was the year that Frank Brothers burst on the national racing scene with a three-year-old son of Woodman named Hansel. As a two-year-old, Hansel won the Tremont Stakes in the Arlington-Washington Futurity sandwiched around two on-the-board finishes in graded stakes at Saratoga. After his victory at Arlington, Hansel didn't return until a fifth-place finish in the Fountain of Youth and a third-place finish in the Florida Derby that winter in Gulfstream. Brothers decided to send his promising colt to Turfway Park for a try in the $500,000 Jim Beam Stakes. 
Facing a deep cast of Kentucky Derby hopefuls, Ansel was sent off at 4-1 to one underneath future Hall of Famer Jerry Bailey. Into the stretch of Paulo, Richmond, and Hansel in the center of the track. Now it's Hansel getting the lead. Richmond is second, Apollo runs third. Down the stretch and Hansel is in front. Now draws off by two, then Richmond, big gap to Apollo, but it's Hansel in front, Hansel winning the beam by two and a half. Hansel went on to win the Lexington Stakes a few weeks later before finishing off the board in the Kentucky Derby. However, he rebounded from that poor effort in Louisville to win the remaining two legs of the Triple Crown, the Preakness and the Belmont. It's the Preakness winner, Hansel into a full-out drive, and on the outside, Spike the Gold is coming to him. The Preakness winner, the Derby winner, 1-2 with the 16th left in the Belmont. Hansel full-out, Spike the Gold, one last powerful thrust. Hansel holds on by a desperate head. Tune into the Auxiliary Gate podcast next time for more Kentucky horse racing memories. It's springtime in the bluegrass, and we want to start spring with a big bouquet of red roses, perhaps. Tonight's guest is the big, is the first back-to-back Eclipse Award winner we've had on the podcast. After his big year in 2020, winning four Breeders' Cup winners in races, and again in 2021 to be an Eclipse Award winner. But first, this Kentucky bred grew up near our historic and ever-expanding track, Churchill Downs, <laughs> attending the races with his family at a very young age. Before catching the bus to school, he walked to the backside from Evelyn Avenue to hot walk horses after the morning conditioning. He went to school here in Louisville, attending Fairdale High School, then transferring to Iroquois High School and graduating in 1998. He landed his first assistant training job in 2000, working for Dallas Stewart. He broke out on his own in 2004 to begin his own path to horse racing greatness. His first win came in December 2004 as a new conditioner at your favorite podcast, Beloved Track, Turfway Park, with a horse named Tapping for Gold. Fast forward a lot of years. We're going to skip a ton of years. His first graded stakes win came late, much later, but in 2018, and now has accumulated over 21 graded stakes wins and counting. I'm sure my mouth is probably wrong, but that's what my memory serves. <laughs> Notable winners in circles of winter circles are the Ashland, Kentucky Oaks in 18 and 20, Clark Handicap in 18, and the Belmont Stakes winner in 2021 when I was even on my own bachelor party in Vegas watching them on the big screen. And a total of seven cup, seven Breeders' Cup victories, including the best one, the Classic. This ultimate prize fighting trainer will have his 8,000th career start this year. Currently stands with over 2,000 wins and total purse earnings of, well, it's a lot of zeros, but 137 and many, many zeros after. Tonight, we welcome the only Louisville bred trainer to win the Kentucky Derby via DQ, Mr. Brad Cox. Hey, Brad. Hey, good evening, guys. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, how's uh, how's your winter been in Louisiana? It's been good. We've um, got a good winter. Horses are doing well. That's why we're here. Uh, you know, it's a great place for the horses to uh, winter. And, you know, obviously trying to get the Oaks and the Kentucky Derby, it's a great spot to have three-year-olds, good, good three-year-old program here between here and Oakland Park, and uh worked out really well. So uh, excited about 
you know, getting back home to Kentucky, Louisville, and uh, the Keeneland meet ahead, and hopefully we can finish up on a good note at the fairgrounds this coming weekend. Yeah, well, speaking of fairgrounds, you got a big weekend ahead. Uh, could you shed some light on your two big uh, Louisiana Derby starters, Instinct Coffee and Jace's Road? Yeah, we also have uh, Tappet's Conquest in there as well. I, I'm not sure mm. he's running, but uh, there are three entered. So, uh, no, I mean, listen, Instant Coffee's stepped up and performed well. Um, you know, all four starts to date. Um, you know, very happy with how he's training leading up. So, uh, you know, he, he always brings it. His fourth place finish in the race at Keeneland last fall, I thought. You know, he just didn't settle first going into the first turn. And, uh, you know, he's obviously – that's a lot more seasoning underneath of his underneath his belt, and he's improved a good bit, and he's shown it in his two recent starts. And you know, he's I think he's set to make a move, take a step forward in the Louisiana Derby on Saturday. So we'll see how it goes. Uh, Jace's Road, uh, we're hopeful that you know he can break and get a good early position. He seems to be a horse that you know responds well when he's you know up close or on the lead, and uh, he's a very very talented horse. Just trying to get it out of him. He hasn't run very well on off tracks. So we're hoping for a dry track good conditions and we'll see how it plays out yeah well thanks uh i'm going to turn it over to alan alan's got a couple questions yeah brad again we do appreciate you coming and for those who don't know brad's calling from a hotel room in ocala because the man just never seems to stop and that that kind of leads me to what i want to want to ask you brad because i, I, genu- I genuinely am interested in this and I always have been uh, I've, I've wanted to ask you that apart from your horsemanship of your job that it requires the rubik's cube planning that you have to do to, to do your job just just amazes me with so many horses over so many circuits. And in the case of your good three-year-olds, you've got you've to put them in spots they can win. You've got to earn double points. You've got to not have them step on each other's toes. You've, you've got to keep the owners happy while you're doing it. I guess to surmise all that is, I mean, is your mind a continuous pretzel? How, how do you how do, you do that? It's, it's got to be it, it rewarding, but still at the time it's got to be sometimes confusing or just you're just the most organized person on earth. Yeah, I'm definitely not the most organized person, but you know, listen, I, I think I think our biggest thing is, um, you know, we we obviously have great help and great assistance. That's obviously no secret with as many horses as we have. But you know, listen, I do a lot of stuff off field. Um, I rely on my assistants for a lot of information. I like to, you know, we all, we obviously have ideas with all these horses in regards to, you know, their next Derby prep or Oaks prep or whatever it may be. But at the end of the day, the horse has to be doing well to run well, and we do a lot right. of stuff off field. And if, you know, we feel like a horse needs a little time, they get it. We've had some horses that have, you know, been taken off the Derby Trail. We still have some that are marching forward. And, uh, you know, it, it's not just these horses with the Oaks and the Derby. It's our everyday horses that we're trying to be competitive in every race exactly. we run in. Uh, so, you know, there's, there, you know, I, I do rely on my assistants a lot, rely on myself. I do a lot of stuff off field. Um, I think you probably ask all of my owners or most of my owners that, you know, I, I, I I have a little bit of an idea of where I'm going with some of these horses, but you know if they're not doing well, we're not running, and uh, that that has a lot to do with it. So, uh, you know, we just try to try to manage them right, keep them happy, healthy, and you know, point for a race date and have them, you know, at peak condition or what we think is peak condition. Um, you know, it, this is a tough game. If you're batting 25%, you're failing 75% of the time. Uh, that that doesn't sound well, but in, in in horse racing, you know, some people think it's great. So. You know, it's it's one of those things we're just uh, always trying to stay on top of it. Um, we don't always make the right move and don't always make the wrong move. But, um, you know, it, I think it, a lot of our success just comes down to having great help and obviously very, very good horses, talented hey, horses. That, 
Yeah. Full transparency here. I'm a happy customer, Brad. So my, my <laughs> small percentage, it goes to show it's all worked out so far. So I yeah, appreciate yeah. it. Brandon's been out. You know, he's obviously been around our barn the last few years. And I think he's, he, he can tell you that, like, you know, we're pretty hands-on. We, we, we evaluate the horses very carefully and pay a lot of attention to, you know, each horse, each breeze, um, inspection process. I mean, you know, we, 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 spend, we spend time, you know, evaluating and, and, uh, you know, if there's an issue, you know, the, the owner's going to know and, you know, it'll be, you know, a plan we have to put together to get the horse back where they need to be in regards to giving it time off of surgery or whatever it may need. Horse comes first and that's basically where it all starts. It is amazing though, Brad, that you're able to pull it off and, and the planning and it, it really is, it, it's, it's got, it's, it's not just the horsemanship side. It's pulling that off to me. I find amazing. I mean, I think I'm a pretty smart guy, but that would make my head spin all day long. But I guess it's a labor of love, right? Yeah, without a doubt, zero doubt about it. I mean, listen, do we get tired? I mean, yeah. I mean, there's there's days where where you know you 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 do you get a little tired after a long Saturday with maybe running ten horses, say at the fairgrounds and another ten throughout the country. I mean, you know, listen, um, you know, you, you you on Sunday sometimes if it's quiet, that's not a bad thing. You're able to reset your mind on a Sunday, Monday, or Tuesday. But you know, it, it's all about preparation and, and getting these horses ready and and uh, you know once again. Great, great help and, and very good horses. Well, you know, for those that don't know, you mentioned your barn area and you know, the time you spend back there. But for those that don't know, your barn at Churchill Down is right next to our friend Michelle Lovells. And uh, I, I and I'm say, would you say that that is a big factor in your success, being able to soak up so much genius, so much wisdom, so much horsemanship from her being with such a close proximity? That's got to be part of it, right? <laughs> yeah, no doubt. I get up every morning, just kind of watch what she does and try to Im- imitate it. So, no, it's, it's, uh, she, she's a, she's a good neighbor to say the least. Yeah. We, we never miss an opportunity to get Michelle's name in the podcast cause she's awesome. So, uh, thank you for indulging me there. Uh, let's, we, Brandon mentioned Turfway. We don't, I mean, mentioned Fairgrounds. We don't want to spend too much time with that, but, uh, I want to get to Turfway because it's not just a fairground. You've got some, some big boys and girls running and you've got, uh, one horse I really am interested in is botanical. And botanical seems in the Bourbonette Oaks, so hopefully on the way to the Kentucky Oaks. Uh, well, the reason I like, it seems like when you take your horses to Turfway, the really good ones look so professional, so in command. Uh, Tawny Port came from uh, Turfway mm-hmm. last year. And is that my man? Is, is this horse as good as I think he is? Can he's, he's conquered, she's conquered Tapita, she's conquered turf. Can she conquer the dirt on the first Friday in May, you think? I, I, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful she can conquer the, the synthetic one once more this weekend. Um, you know, we liked her last summer. Um, obviously, didn't work well well at Kentucky Downs, but then she, she really ran well at, at Keeneland. And, you know, with everything going on with no turf this, yes. this, um, this fall at Churchill and obviously the fairgrounds this winter, I thought, you know, let's just try to get her maiden broke. And she was very impressive. I believe it was opening night at Turf Layer opening couple of oh, nights yeah. of turf but she broke her maiden and uh you know we decided to stay on that surface for the time being and she's obviously had a great winter um you know we'll see how it goes our, our goal our plan i mean it, it's kind of simple really i mean if she runs well on saturday and and runs well enough to earn a trip to the kentucky oaks we're going to train up to the kentucky oaks and if we feel like she's training well on the dirt give her that opportunity if not there's always the edge Edgewood that weekend on the turfs that we could turn our attention towards as well. So, you know, um, you know, we're going to do what's best for her. Uh, we're happy with, extremely happy with how she's doing. 
he had an easy work this past weekend. This race is this weekend's coming. Well, she'll be coming back in three weeks. So, uh, you know, she's fit. She's happy. She likes the surface. She's getting run out of her own stall. She's been there the last three, four months and, you know, excited about, you know, this weekend. And hopefully, you know, she'll, she'll come to Churchill after that, train well enough to lead her over for the Kentucky Oaks. We'll see how it goes. Uh, you know, and there's a horse in the, the next race in the, in the big one, the Jeff Ruby. And it's one I'm, I'm genuinely fascinated by. And I think these guys might be too. And a horse called Wadsworth. And the reason mm-hmm. is, is this horse was kind of, you know, I'll be honest with you, you know, we, we have to admit when you're wrong in this game and I'm wrong, you know, like you said, if I'm only wrong 75% of the time, something's good happening with me. Um, right. I thought the horse was kind of a man when it, when it debuted a turf. I think it came, may have come from the fairgrounds, kind of man, man races, got on that, got on that tapita and absolutely freaked and has blown the doors off two fields. Um, has a big shot in the Jeff Ruby. Was the tapita the, was the tapita the reason this horse blossomed or was it something else? I, well, I, you know, listen, I, I'm going to have to say yes. He was obviously castrated as well. So there were two things that did that, happen. That's Surf a pretty big thing. And it is, it is. But I will tell you, this horse trained extremely, extremely well last summer. And when you go back, when you just said, you know, talking about being wrong, I was really wrong about this horse. Um, I, I mean, listen, Tom will tell if I was wrong, but I mean, I thought this horse was like the horse. I mean, I packed him. Really? Saratoga. Yeah, I thought he was a very, very nice coat. I was disappointed with his first run. I think the good often team was as well because I pumped him up and, made him out to be this really nice colt. And, you know, his runs just early on what, what were not what we what I was expecting based off his work tab. Um, you know, he is out of a grade one winning mare on, this, on the turf. Uh, quality roking down to go each way. There was a couple things he did early on that maybe, you know, just maybe the way he traveled at times that made me think, ah, maybe he is grass. But, you know, obviously, we never tried him on the grass, but the synthetic can sometimes play that way. Uh, like you said, he's been very impressive in two starts there. Um, so, you know, listen, I, I don't I don't know if we're going to go back to the dirt anytime soon, but right. he, he was cut out to be a very, very good horse. Um, I think he is a very good horse. I think, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful that, you know, we're, we're, we're going to we're, we're seeing the best, you know, maybe not the best of him, but at least got him going in the right direction, whether it's related to being castrated. For surface change, but, uh, you know, hopefully he, he, he can run well Saturday. And I'm not certain he would be a horse that we would even look at running in the Kentucky Derby. Uh, that would ultimately be up to, to the good often team. But, uh, you know, we're just trying to get through Saturday and he is doing well and he does obviously like that track up there. So when he finally broke that maiden, you're like, that's the Wadsworth I've been waiting on. Is, is that fair to say? Yeah. Yeah. The, the talent, the talent. Yeah. Because I mean, he, we, we, we thought he's a very talented horse really from the start. Um, and obviously the good often team did as well, uh, for, you know, watching him last winter in Florida in his pre-training. But, um, you know, he, he, um, he is a talented colt and he, he's put it all together twice on the synthetic surface. All right. Just one or two more for me and I'll pass on to my, my partner, CC. But something else that I think about was with, with someone with your success has happened so quickly and has it's such a massive amount of success. Everyone knows the Knicks goals and the, the Mandaloons and, 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 uh, elusive qualities, all these great horses you've had. But is there some horses that are like lesser known and it, that mean more to you because of you, because of your rise? Uh, is there, is there a, you know, a $50,000 yeah. horse or maybe a stakes horse uh, that, that resonate with you from a, from a heart standpoint that feel like put you on their path or just more special to you than some of the others? Probably, uh, 
Well, a horse that comes to mind is probably um, Chocolate Ride. He was a horse we claimed. Yes. I think we went through a four graded stakes with him. Um, you know, he's a very, very good horse that, uh, you know, battled feet issues. It was another one that, you know, when he was right, he would run. He would give it all to you. And But there were times we'd have to back off of him and, you know, just let his feet grow out. But, you know, yeah, he, t- he taught me a lot along the way. Um, you know, he, he was a grass horse. He was a speed horse. Um, he's very nice. But, yeah, he's one that's obviously near and dear to our stable. And uh, I believe you're – are you a Kentucky fan, correct? Is that right? Yes, yes. Yeah, no, I told, <laughs> yeah I am too. I, I, you're, you're, you're beating me the puncher, brother. Um, I'm a diehard – I was a diehard Kentucky fan. I grew up in Louisville. I grew up near Churchill Downs, I, like you, and I'm a, a Kentucky fan living in Louisville. I was thinking one of the advantages of your job these days is you're so busy, you probably get to watch a lot of basketball this year. That may be a good thing, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the first round of the tournament was okay. It didn't go that well in the second round. Yeah, so you're more of a basketball or football guy. I, I like both. I mean, I, I like what Stoops has done with the football team, and and you know, obviously Kentucky's say a basketball school, and but it, you know, I, I root for both both programs for sure. That's good. And you know what? As a as a trainer, that's a perfect perfect answer. Living in this city, I really I can see why you're so damn good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, Brad. I'll let the CC take over now and get his opportunity. Brad, thanks. Brad, thanks for joining us. I got, I got a handful of questions for you. First thing I want to ask you uh, is Brandon Jaggers, the type of owner that, that trainers dread. Is he the type of guy (laughs) that calls every day? It's like, Hey, I want to work this horse five furlongs instead of four. I want to change jockeys. I want to put blinkers on. What, what, what's Brandon like to deal with? You probably have to ask Dan Glick. I think Dan Glick. Glick keeps a leash uh, pretty tight on him, <laughs> but no, no, he, he, he's, he's solid. I mean, I like that he enjoys it. I mean, he comes out for the morning works. I think it's, it's good that owners, you know, you know, obviously not, not all owners live near uh, their horse or where they're stable, but I, I think it's, it's cool when owners, you know, like to come out and watch your horses work and can kind of see how things and how the horses are developing for themselves. Well, I've learned, I've learned a lot. I got to cut. Yeah. I learned a lot through Dan. I'll tell you that. And you know, I, I cheated on you a little bit, Brad. I went and bought some other horses, but you know what? I didn't do very good, so I'm coming back soon. <laughs> yeah, now Dan's not done a very good job. He's actually down here in Ocala, and I think he was able to pick up one today. And he's he's done a very very good job throughout the years uh, selecting horses, and he's he's very hands on. And I think it's it's very important for as long as you know you know if an owner you know has the knowledge to to be to be here and, and you know be active at the sale, and he's very hands on, and he he's here and doing the work. Brandon, this is a little known secret. Brandon actually has a uh, a life size poster of you in his bedroom. <laughs> this isn't this, this isn't a joke. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, it, yeah, it's kind of it's, it's it's gotten disgusting. Creepy. <laughs> <laughs> it's <kinda> creepy. <laughs> yeah, my wife and baby took over, so you went down to the basement. But other than that, <laughs> Brad, uh, seriously, you've had you you've reached the pinnacle of the sport. You you had a Breeders' Cup Classic winner. A Kentucky Oaks winner, a Kentucky Derby winner, actually two Kentucky Oaks winners. I'm sorry, and, and then of course uh, Essential Quality won the Belmont Stakes. Uh, if you just decided to retire tonight, which one of those horses would you want to be most remembered for? Ooh, that's a tough question. I know. It is. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's tough. Um, I'll tell you this though. I think of all the victories I've had. The Belmont Stakes to this date, I think the Belmont Stakes probably was the biggest win. Um, um, it just, 
the history of the Belmont Crown Race, um, it was a good race between Essential Quality and Hot Rod Charlie. And um, I don't know, there was something special about that race. I thought it was, uh, um, you know, it, it was it was leading up to that race. We had some live shots on that card, and we kind of in second and third. I think Bonnie South was second in grade one. And, uh, you know, just some horses didn't run quite as well. I think uh, Nick's go was fourth, so it was kind of like a little bit of a, not the greatest day leading up to the Belmont. And then, he, like, he won it, and it was all good, you know. So uh, um, I, I think the Belmont, the, Nick, the essential quality Belmont win was probably the highlight to date. But, but um, I mean, there's been so many great races, and obviously the Classic and, and um, the Haskell. Uh, but the um, Cyberknife was an extremely exciting race last summer. But I would have to say probably the, 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 the Belmont Stakes. Now, we all know the Kentucky Derby is uh, the holy grail for all horsemen mm-hmm. and many owners. And and you are now on the list of trainers that have won <laughs> that race. Now, I know it wasn't the way you wanted to win it, but the race right. has a rich history. And, and, you know, you go back to like 1968 when uh, Dancer's Image was DQ'd and now Forward Pass mm-hmm. is on that list. I mean, he's he's forever linked to in Kentucky Derby history as, as the first right. DQ for a medication and it, you know it's 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 cool because it's part of the rich history of the race. I mean, do you ever think like, well, you know, I'm I'm part of that history now. Uh, I know it's not the way you want, but you, you just sit, step back and say, hey, you know, that I'm 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 part of the history of the race now. No, I, I don't because listen, I've always said like, obviously the Kentucky Derby. I mean, it, it's it's the race I feel like drives the industry. Um, you know, even at these sales, I mean, yearling sales, two year old sales, winning sales, whatever it may be, like. You know, everybody would love to win the Kentucky Derby. I do believe. I don't think we're going to meet anybody says, you know, oh, I, I, I don't know. They may tell you they want to win the British Cup Classic. But it's just like you said, it's, it's the history, right? It's been around like 149 years. The British Cup is awesome. It's been around like 35, 40 years. At the end of the day, winning the Kentucky Derby, it's not you, – you, you want to win it to, to have that thrill of victory. That's, mm-hmm. what, that's why we do it. I didn't experience that. So I don't really know what it's like to win the Kentucky Derby, obviously. So, you know, listen, I, I, I'm out here working every day, hoping to get back, you know, in the position to be in the race. It's an awesome race just to be a part of. Uh, but but that's what I obviously want to experience is the thrill of victory. And I think a lot of these guys that have won it multiple times, that's why they're still doing it, because it's 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 an unbelievable thrill, I would imagine. And uh, they keep coming back to Todd Fletcher's, to Bob Baffert's, and all these great trainers throughout the years that have won it multiple times, um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's what it's about. And, you know, ho- hopefully, you know, looking forward someday to hopefully uh, crossing the wire first and experience having that thrill of victory. Nick Zito and Todd Pletcher, I believe, set the record for most. Uh, they've saddled the most horses yeah, in five, the I believe. five each. Yeah, uh, yeah. Ch- chances that you, you could match that record this year? I'll tell you in about two weeks. <laughs> should be pretty clear picture here in a couple of weeks. But you know, look, we've got we've got some nice horses. Uh, you know, they have to be going the right way at the right time. Um, and uh, you know, we're going to find out a little bit this weekend with with um, you know the the, two, the three colts we have in the Louisiana Derby, and obviously Wadsworth. Once again, I'm not certain if he won if we would even uh, march forward to the Kentucky Derby. But uh, you know, we we're, we're, we feel like we're in a great position to have multiple horses this year make it. Uh, we're, we're coming into the Derby com- 
complete opposite um, way as we did last year. Right. I can, we started the first part of March, and I felt we had three horses that had a great shot of earning points. That was Zozo's Tawny Port and Cyberknife. None of those horses had a single point to start the month of March. And uh, they all, you know, ended up in the field, uh, deserves the right to be there, the top 20 points. And, uh, you know, I feel, I really feel like we could very easily end up with maybe five uh, this year, maybe, maybe even six. I, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. We're just like a, yeah, I think, I think we just have to get through these last preps between, um, you know, the Louisiana Derby, the Arkansas Derby, Bluegrass and Wood. We're excited about all these horses and the uh, Jeff Ruby as well. So we've got five live races and there's also the Lexington that we may have a horse or two in. Uh, the middle of April there at Keeneland. So uh, yeah. I think between those six races, uh, you know, I'm hoping, you know, we can have some success in those and these horses come out of the races in good order and we can turn our attention toward the Derby. Wayne Lucas had five as well. He saddled five one year, at least once. So that's good okay. company to be in if you can get there. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, last question for me. Uh, the Philly wet paint was uh, mm-hmm. f- phenomenal when she won the honeybee and uh it, it, she started out at well she broke her maiden at indiana grand and mm-hmm. then spent the winter turf away is this a field that maybe kind of fell through the cracks a little bit and just kind of kind of blossomed over the winter yeah i would say she's definitely blossomed um i don't know about falling through the cracks um we sent her up to indiana she broke her maiden um she was impressive i tell you watch her race i mean it's kind of like the apple blossoms like man she's not getting involved at all but then at the wire she's like running away looking you know, winning the race easy enough. Um, I think we, that race at Indiana, we were second in there with another Philly as well. But no, she's definitely blossomed and gotten better. And I tell you, she, uh, you know, obviously went down to the Mark of Washington, just showed up two days before the race, um, ran extremely well. I think it was Pegasus. I know it was Pegasus Day because I watched her race at Gulfstream. And, uh, you know, at that time, we just said, you know, let's leave her there. And she worked really well the week before the, uh, honeybee and i really think she's just really taken off right now physically and um mentally i mean she's just really really good her work this past weekend was was amazing and uh you know we'll see i think the question with her is if she'll run on a fast track or not that's the one thing you have to kind of um hope for um she's worked extremely well on a fast track this weekend so i'm i'm hopeful that you know she this is not running just really well because of the track conditions, but, um, you know, I'm optimistic that she'll handle a fast dirt and, uh, you know, we'll see, we'll see if, uh, see how it goes in the fantasy. And a couple, a couple more horses of verifying is going to run in the Arkansas Derby. Is that correct? Bluegrass. is, uh, Yeah, probably the bluegrass. So the Arkansas Derby, I think that'll be, uh, angel of empire. It doesn't mean he wouldn't show up, but I think we're going to take him for the bluegrass. What were your thoughts on his effort in the uh, the Rebel? Bad trip. Uh, <laughs> bad trip. Yeah, really yeah, bad trip. Yeah, 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 yeah. Lost too much position. We're laying fourth down on the inside. Um, turned for home, and we went from like third, I think eighth or ninth, and then kind of re rallied. Uh, but you know, lost way too much position between the quarter pole and the eighth. Eighth pole. Um, not saying he would have won that day, but I think if he would have held his position, he would have been right there at the wire. Um, I think he's a good colt. I really do. We've been high on him for a while, and I think he's, you know, physically getting better all the time. I loved his work this past weekend at the fairgrounds. He's going the right way, and, uh, you know, we'll see. I, I, I'm, very, I'm very high on this colt. I think he's a, he's a good, good horse. 
and finally giant mischief who was sixth in the rebel is he going to continue on the trail or going to you're going to turn back no, to no, one turn no we're, we're We'll probably turn back to one turn after he gets freshened up. I worked him after the Rebel. I wasn't happy with his move. Um, you know, no, no surgeries needed, just not happy with him. I don't think he was happy training or come out of the – how should I say this? Maybe, like, just didn't bounce out of that easy work as well as I would have liked. It's very flat mentally. Uh, Going to give him a break, freshening him up. Like I said, no surgery, just some time on the farm. Bring him back and probably – you know, we'll start him back out around one turn and, you know, hopefully, you know, he can stretch a little bit. I don't really have any, you know, visions of him being a mile and an eighth horse. I think he's probably more meant for like anywhere between seven eighths and one mile. Okay, perfect. Back to you, Brandon. Yeah, Brad, man, we appreciate your time tonight. I mean, you've got me reinvigorated for spring. <laughs> yes. I'm bringing my baby to the track, so I hope you get the holder in between your winter circle, you know, photos, but... Uh, I'm excited for you. You've been a big help to me and in the podcast. And of course, now I'm addicted to this, to the game, but I, I blame you for the most part. <laughs> uh, my wife will allow me to keep venturing down the horse channel, but just not as much because I got to, she wants to have another baby after this one. So, yeah. Yeah, man. And, uh, we'll talk to you soon. Okay. All right. Thanks for having me on guys. Talk to you soon. But, Thanks, Brad. Thank you, guys. Talk to you soon. Bye. Okay, that was Kentucky Derby, Kentucky Oaks, Breeders' Cup Classic, Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies, Belmont Stakes winning trainer, Brad Cox. A new high for the Auxiliary Gate podcast. We we, we hear our share of lows, but that's usually when we start talking. But when we bring on the guests, we have a tendency to hit some highs or whatever, and that was a high. And he was – I thought Brad was, was wonderful, very confident very confident in his horses and uh, very confident in the job he does and uh, just just an everyday kind of guy who's having an amazing run of success and the I say the guy invented the 31 hour day apparently uh we appreciate we really do appreciate him coming on here with the with the man as busy as he as he possibly is uh that that was very kind of him to come on yeah i tell you man i, I was on that bachelor party when he brought up the belmont win the central quality I mean, I was there at, at well in Vegas, uh, sitting in a, the Circa pool, frying myself in the in the Nevada desert sun, and but my friends and all of us put big winning bets on that horse and watching from from the pool, and it was it was super cool. And to, for him to say that that was like a really a big pinnacle in his career, I mean, you could feel the difference that day, and that was a that was a difference making horse had a great. Great campaign that year. I remember mm-hmm. watching England on that drag out battle. Yeah. Uh, I think it was Hot Rod Charlie on the inside and such a quality just kept coming, uh, to win at Keeneland. But then the, the same with Belmont. It was so cool to him, hear him say that. And, you know, you don't get time to, to talk to him early on the backside because, you know, he's so turning, focused. Yeah. They're turning out at 530 and they don't quit till 930, 10. So, and he's out there checking every, every single one, just like normal. Mm-hmm. Every single day. So, uh, really cool guest and I'm excited for spring and I'm excited for Keeneland. There you go. All right. We can wrap this up, can't we, CC? Yep. We've, we've yapped long enough. So let's, uh, let's end it right here on behalf of our wonderful guest, Brad Cox. Special thank you to Brandon Jaggers for securing that interview. And of course, on behalf of Alan Schneider, I am CC Broadus reminding you. 
Gambling money ain't got no home.